Hi, welcome to episode 559 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I hope you can't tell, but for this episode, I'm lip-syncing. In every episode of the Fantastic Forecast, I'll be talking about a different issue of the Fantastic Four, starting with issue 1 and going all the way to issue 645. Today is Fantastic Four 559 from September 2008. Death of the Invisible Woman, Part 2, The Hooded Man, by Mark Millar and Brian Hitch. So the issue begins with Ben Grimm flying the Fantasticar down Broadway. He's got a very nondescript female character with him. It might be the school teacher. I can't tell. There's uh, a couple of people in the back seat as well, and I have no idea who they are either. Ben says he can't believe that David Letterman is having Johnny and his band on the show. Even though they've only shown Johnny and the band rehearsing, I don't think they've actually done any gigs yet. And I doubt the Letterman show would have some celebrities vanity band on that hasn't even performed alive yet. If I were Johnny, I would be worried that Letterman has been replaced with a scroll, David Letter's scroll. There is an excellent full-page panel of the Fantasticar flying over Times Square. Hitch does such a great job of tracing. He's a good tracer, that guy, very good. And they land the ship right down in front of Ed Sullivan Theater. Ben says the mayor lets them park anywhere as a perk for saving the city. I guess having a building full of weapons of mass destruction is perfectly okay as well. I think President Bush invaded the wrong country. He should have looked for WMDs in the Baxter building instead. Outside, there are a bunch of fans trying to get Ben's attention and take his photo. He picks up the teacher and carries her inside, much to her embarrassment of being on TV. You know, you would think that someone who is willing to date a rock monster would not be so easily embarrassed. I mean, I've been embarrassed by every single person I've ever dated, and I've never even dated a rock monster. Well, there was that one time. No, no way. I better not. No. I never dated a rock monster. Johnny's agent mentions that Johnny is running late. He says, Apparently, two Playboy centerfolds are more important than the biggest break of your career. Centerfolds? Does he mean that Johnny was with two actual Playboy centerfold models? Or was he just, you know, whacking it to a couple of actual centerfolds in magazines? It's interesting how Millar has pulled this entirely new characterization of Johnny Storm out of his ass. How does Millar get these jobs when he doesn't understand these Marvel characters one bit? My biggest complaint about Johnny over all these years is that he gets lovesick over this unobtainable girl and he mopes around when he should be going out banging Playboy models every night. Apparently, Millar must have had the same thought and he's turned Johnny Storm into a male slut. Nothing wrong with being a male slut. It just doesn't seem right that they've suddenly got a whole new Johnny Storm. He, has he been replaced by a slutty scroll? Huh. In a sports car, Johnny's speeding across the city. He gets on the phone with his manager trying to say that he was visiting sick kids. But the manager has already seen the models posted photos on their website. The nature of these photos doesn't seem to bother Johnny one bit. The manager says that Johnny should park the car and fly to the theater, 
But Johnny worries about parking a $100,000 car on the street. He says, what if some fat chick breathes on it and jinxes me? Oh, screw you, Mark Millar, you hack. This is not Guy Gardner, for crying out loud. What is going on? Johnny is a hopeless romantic. He's the kind of guy who falls in love at first sight and gets fixated on one and only one girl. He's not the kind of guy who sleeps around with Playboy bunnies, has threesomes, one-night stands, and he's definitely not a guy who makes offhanded comments about not wanting fat chicks to breathe on his car. Of course, I will say, if Marvel published a comic called What If Some Fat Chick Breathed on the Human Torch's Car, I would definitely buy that. The rest of the band are on the phone as well, and they're threatening to get a new lead singer. Like, don't they realize the only reason anybody cares about their stupid band is because of who their lead singer is? Back in his car, Johnny has another distraction. A guy calling himself Lightwave, that yellow guy with the fiery hair we saw last issue, a member of the New Defenders. Johnny says, what the hell? Mark Millar loves having his characters say, what the hell? He's so edgy. Lightwave smashes his hand into the car, and the car is wrecked up pretty bad, and it goes flying. Elsewhere, at a restaurant, Sue is having dinner with Reed's old girlfriend, Alyssa. Alyssa brings up the subject of Sue's charity, which has raised millions of dollars to help people left homeless by the Hulk. You know, she needs to start a charity to raise money for people left homeless thanks to Reed's crazy experiments and research gone amok. They briefly talk about the fact that Reed hasn't figured out who kidnapped Dr. Doom yet. Sue tells Alyssa to get to the point, why are they there? Alyssa says it's because she's in trouble. Huge, huge, huge trouble. I think we can all relate. Alyssa thought that New World, the second Earth being built by her husband Ted, was supposed to help everyone, including the common man. But in reality, the goal of New World is to help out only the world's richest and most elite. Half a million of the world's richest people will start the human race again, and everyone else will be left on old Earth to rot and die. I think it's safe to say that this is the kind of project Donald Trump would have invested heavily in. Alyssa didn't feel comfortable telling Reed about this. She says that the disdain the rich people have for the common people is like something out of a movie. Yeah, a documentary about the members of Donald Trump's cabinet. Am I making too many Donald Trump jokes? It's hard not to, considering that a comic book villain is about to become president of the United States in real life. Sue says that Alyssa should expose them, blow the whole thing wide open. As if anyone would believe her. No one really knows what New World is anyway. She says the people involved are world leaders and heads of corporations and the media. Who, who can she tell? Meanwhile, Johnny climbs up out of the wreckage of his car and asks his ex-girlfriend Cindy what's going on. He thinks she wrecked his car because he dumped her. Oh, Johnny, it's always about you, isn't it? She says, right before she zaps him with her powers. You know, a good comic book writer would have explained what her powers are. I don't know. And then her father, Lightwave, knocks Johnny through the window into a nearby McDonald's. Cindy tells her dad not to hurt Johnny. Dr. Banner wanted this nice and clean. But life, what Lightwave has a personal grudge against Johnny for making his daughter cry. He starts trashing the McDonald's some more, which is kind of like doing the city a favor. Is he working for Bruce Banner or Mayor Bloomberg? Johnny rams into Lightwave and carries him out of the restaurant. He lands on top of several cars, destroying them. 
How did Johnny know those cars were empty? Then Cindy drops a bus on Johnny, but he burns a hole, a couple of holes, in the bus, and he flies through it. He says to himself during this, Man, this has to be my third worst breakup ever. Huh. Let me think of two worst breakups that Johnny's had. Clearly, having your girlfriend leave you to become the Herald of Galactus has to count as the worst breakup ever. And of course, finding out that your wife is a scroll sent to spy on you and your family, also a pretty bad breakup. So, I don't think he's exaggerating. This is his third worst breakup ever. Next, we see that hooded, gu hooded guy mentioned earlier, another member of that Defenders team. He sees what's going on, and he says, Friggin' amateurs. And he leaps down and attacks Johnny. And we see his mug, a very ugly guy. He knocks Johnny through a window into an office building. Lightwave asks his daughter what's going on, and he looks up and sees blast of shooting of a fire and stuff exploding out of the tall building. The girl says it's the hooded man. The hooded man comes out dragging Johnny, and he says, Let's get this clown back to base. I'm curious as to why the Hulk is condoning this kind of behavior. It's not like him to tolerate such widespread destruction. Oh wait, I'm talking about the Hulk. Back at the Baxter building, a hologram of Hank Pym appears and asks Reed if he's working on that doom kidnapping. Reed says he's been working on Alyssa's ecological data for the last 90 minutes. He says it appears that the world will die in 30 years and he must come up with something and fast. 30 years? 30 years? I thought it was supposed to happen sooner than that. I bet most of the world's richest and most elite people will be dead in 30 years. So why do they care about New World? But Reed is on the case, coming up with some proposals to pitch to the UN. One thing's for sure, I don't think the UN's going to be around in 30 years. Miss Deneuve, the new nanny with the secret, comes in carrying Valeria, who also has a secret. Deneuve says there's something terrible happening with Johnny. So back at the, at the base of the new defenders, Johnny is being held up by this big contraption. And on the other side, back to back, is the other prisoner, Dr. Doom. Finally, a chance for these two guys to spend some quality time together to get to know each other. Well, Johnny is trying to talk, but Doom is just ignoring him. Johnny's ex-girlfriend is there, along with the rest of the new defenders and the Hulk, and Johnny's surprised to see the Hulk. The Hulk says they need their power for the machine they're working on. Doom and Johnny have some power, but the real power is beneath their feet. Their third prisoner. Johnny looks down, and their third prisoner is Galactus. Johnny asks, is that Galactus? Is it the Galactus? No, it's the Easter Bunny. Who does it look like? Hulk says, Johnny, we need to have a little chat. And that is the end of the issue. What the hell is Bruce Banner up to? I mean, what is the Hulk going to do with Galactus? I was thinking, there might be a number of different things that the Hulk could do with Galactus. There might be ten things. There may be, uh, I don't know. I've come up with the top ten things the Hulk plans to do with Galactus. Number ten. He wants to find out where Galactus gets his pants, his big, purple, indestructible pants. Number nine. Would like to take Galactus out clubbing, thinks he would make a good wingman. Number eight. 
wants to use the power cosmic within Galactus to power up a machine that will sap the gamma radiation out of him, leaving him normal again. Yeah, right. Like, that's gonna happen. Number seven. Wants to record a videotape with Galactus so they can apply to be on the Amazing Race together. Number six. Wants to make friends with Galactus in hopes he'll get a surfboard for Christmas as a gift. <laughs> Number five. Needs at least someone else decent to join his team. I mean, have you seen the other new defenders? What a bunch of lamos. Number four. Wants a ride in Galactus' ship to a planet with hot green chicks because Hulk pound. Number three. Needs someone to go with him to the Justin Bieber concert so he doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> Number two. Hulk hit hard by Great Recession needs roommate. And the number one thing that Hulk is planning to use Galactus for, he heard that Galactus eats planets, wants to send him down to destroy the Orlando Planet Hollywood because they refuse to display a pair of Lou Ferrigno's old pants. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott, at podcastff. And you can download other episodes of iTunes and find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over.